It's a, a very apt prayer that John just prayed, actually, because when I sat down to write this sermon, well, the sermon which is here is not the sermon that I had in my mind. Uh, but as I was starting to prepare it, uh, a verse from Joel came to me. Uh, those of you know, that know Lynn well will know that she was given a verse many years ago now. And it's the verse that says, I will restore the years the locusts have taken away. So I looked up that verse and uh, following on from that, uh, just a few verses further on is what I'm going to preach on today. It's not the most popular subject ever and it's not the easiest to preach on. So uh, please just bear with me as I bring it to you. And it's Joel chapter 2 and verses 28 to 32. Joel chapter 2, verses 28 to 32. As I say, it follows on from uh, the revelation to Joel from God that uh, he will restore the nation of Israel. And this is what he says afterwards that he will do once he's restored Israel. It says, and afterward... I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there will be deliverance, as the Lord has said among the survivors whom the Lord calls. So as we come to the end of another year, I want to look this morning at something which is not often preached on today mainly because it's something that most people, including many Christians, do not want to hear or think about. That is the great and dreadful day of the Lord. We are so often live our lives as if God was some nebulous father figure that we can turn to when we're in trouble, or if we're ill, or when we need something really badly. God, of course, can and does answer those prayers. But God is so much more than that. God is our sustainer, our creator, our ever-present help in time of need. But above and beyond that, he desires that we live in intimate relationship with him, in fellowship with one another as his people. And perhaps most importantly, that we take the good news of Jesus to those who do not yet know him. Why does he want us to do this? Because we're told in 2 Peter 2 verse 9, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Great, you might say, Really encouraging. But rather than stop there, we need to read the next verse as well. 
So, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Now the next verse says, But the day of the Lord, the great and dreadful day of the Lord, as Joel tells us, will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar, the elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Peter continues this chapter urging God's followers to live godly lives, for he has promised eternal life and a new heaven and earth to those who call sincerely on his name. Note the use of the word sincerely. In John 3.16 we're told, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Matthew Henry, in his commentary on this passage of Joel, says this, Those that sincerely call upon the Lord... Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, whether Jew or Gentile, shall be delivered, we're told in Romans 10, 13. This calling on God supposes knowledge of him, faith in him, desire towards him, dependence on him, and a conscientious obedience to him. For without that, crying, Lord, Lord, will not stand us in any stead. So it's pretty clear, I think, that unless we have a real and living relationship with God through Jesus, then it will be no good us shouting out, Lord, Lord. Because as we're told in Matthew 25, starting at verse 31, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. He then goes on, as I'm sure you know, and tells that the sheep on the right, he tells them to take their inheritance in the kingdom because they fed the hungry gave drink to the thirsty, gave hospitality to strangers, gave clothes to the needy, looked after the sick and visited those in prison, telling them that as they did that for each one of them, they did it for him. The goats on the left, we're told, did none of these and because of that were condemned to eternal punishment whilst the righteous to eternal life. There are several references in God, to God's judgment day elsewhere in the Bible. Matthew 10:14 and 15, Acts 17:31, Hebrews 10:26 to 27 are just a few. And if you want to uh, look those up, you'll find them on our webpage, and uh, details are there, and you can follow them through from there and look them up. So why have I chosen today to speak on what many regard as a subject we should perhaps 
pass on because it's difficult to believe that God would allow that to happen. Firstly, as I said at the beginning, and I don't say this lightly because God told me to, it's not a subject I would have necessarily chosen to speak on, but I believe God wants us to look at it now as we approach a new year so that we can realise the importance of reaching those who don't yet know God as Saviour. Because there are real consequences on Judgment Day for those who have not accepted God as Saviour through Jesus. Secondly, because it's scriptural. And as Christians we should be looking at the whole canon of scripture, not just the parts which appeal to us, tempting as that may be. If this subject were confined to a few sentences in one chapter in one book, perhaps it might be less important, although not necessarily so. But God's judgment and the consequences of rejecting him are found throughout the Old and New Testaments. So I guess it's important to him that we read it, hear it, and make it known to those around us. Thirdly, and this follows on from point two really, it reveals some of God's character to us. We will never, this side of eternity, fully understand who God is. Our brains cannot cope with the enormity of that. But we can see glimpses of who he is. It might be very difficult for some to accept that a loving, merciful, heavenly Father who is full of grace could allow individuals to end up in eternal separation from God. But we need to look at the whole picture to see actually how much it pains God to see anyone end up in that position. Firstly, when God created us, he made the decision to give us free will rather than making us robotic minions who would unquestioningly follow every command that he gave. He knew, yes, he knew that that would cause him problems. But he wanted people to follow him voluntarily by their own choice so that he could have a real and loving relationship with them rather than an enforced one. As we know, problems did follow and with the fall of Adam and Eve it took the sacrifice of his one and only son to restore our relationship with him. And that cost him. It cost him a great deal. Imagine sending your son, if you've got one, or some other relative close to you if you haven't, to a community of people who were in rebellion against you, knowing that he was going to live along, amongst them for a short time. Then they were going to turn on him. And they were going to condemn him. They were going to flog him to within an inch of his life. And then they were going to hang him on a cross to die the most barbaric death that man has ever invented. Of course, after that we have the resurrection. But Jesus had to go through all that first to fulfill prophecy. And God knew this. 
when he sent Jesus to earth to live amongst us. And Jesus knew it as well. And yet they loved us so much and wanted to have relationship with us so much that they were prepared to do that for us. If you put your son or your very close relative in the place of Jesus and imagine, try and imagine just how you would feel knowing that all was going to happen. But of course you can't really until it happens. But God did and God went through it. And God knew the pain and suffering that came from that. Secondly, God is patient and persistent. As we heard earlier in 2 Peter 2.9, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. It is God's desire that all of the people he created come to repentance by accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour. That's his desire. But he also knows that because he gave us free will, not everyone will make that decision. But it is their decision to make. You may remember that when Jesus descended into hell and gave the message there and invited them all to join him. Not everyone there wanted to follow him. And if Jesus can't make them change their minds, we are certainly not going to. But God gave us free will. And those who don't know Jesus have to make that decision themselves. Not influenced in any way by God, much as their decision may grieve him. We're told in Matthew 24 and verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. So God will not wait forever. And indeed we're promised that Jesus will return and take his people to be with him. But is that time approaching now? I don't know. There are those who tell us we are in the end times and that what is happening in the world today are confirmation of the prophecies in the Bible. Perhaps they are. Or perhaps they're not. Only God knows the hour and the time. But our responsibility is today as it has always been and as given us in Matthew 28:18 Then Jesus came to them and said All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me Therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. As we approach a new year, I trust that by looking a little more closely at the consequences of not accepting Jesus as Lord and Saviour, it will spur those of us on who already know Lord, the Lord as our Saviour in, in 2018 
to take those opportunities that God gives us to speak individually to those who don't yet know Jesus as Saviour. And sow seeds for God to nurture in their lives. And as a church, to reach out to those around us in whatever way God directs, to bring them into a relationship with him, or at least to bring them into this place, God's house, in order that they may hear the good news and make an informed decision for themselves. We have a new estate being built on Attleborough Fields. We have a new estate being built on the Longshoot. We have a new estate, although it's a little further away, being built in Weddington. And there's a couple more planned to be built shortly. There are, as far as I know, no plans to build a church on any of those estates at this time. So certainly for the Longshoot and for Attleborough Fields, we are the nearest church, or one of the nearest churches available to them. We have a responsibility to go out and make sure that they are aware of who God is. How we do that, we need to listen to God's voice for the most effective way of doing it. We can go out and leaflet them. We can go out and knock on the door in ones and twos. And we can do whatever. But unless that's got God's blessing, it's not going to achieve a great deal. So we need to listen and hear from God what he wants us to do in order to be the most effective we can in reaching out to those people. And I think certainly those of you that uh, receive the minutes of the council meetings know that uh, there's another one coming up in February. And we've asked you, and it's a very serious question we've asked you, to pray about and to consider and to ask God to reveal to you what it is he wants us to do in 2018 to reach out to those around us, not only on these new estates, but also on this estate here and on Horston Grange as well. There are two and a half thousand houses on this estate alone. There are some five to six thousand people minimum in those houses. And it's great that we're all here and I praise God and bless him for every one of you. But wouldn't it be wonderful if we reached the point where we had to turn all these chairs around and face that way and open that up and go into there and put those chairs which are sitting empty over there into there. Wouldn't that be great if at the end of 2018 we can look back and say, God has been brilliant. Another promise which God gave us, which we haven't spoken about for a while, is, is one of the ladies saw a rainbow over the church, which was God's promise, as it was to Noah, that he would never, ever forsake us and never allow full destruction to happen again. He has his hand on this church. Most of you know how we came to be in possession of this church through the miraculous hand of God. There's no way we could have come in here any other way. And God did that for a purpose. The first purpose he gave us was to make sure that the building was used on a regular basis. When we came into it, there was one group meeting once a fortnight. A few years ago now, we reached the position where the church was being used every day of the week for some reason. And not only by us as a church, but also external bodies who were coming in to the presence of God through their presence in this building. We fulfilled part of the vision which God gave us to make sure that this building was not a dead building, but a live building. 
are not only being used by us on a Sunday morning, but also by the community around us. The strap line on our vision statement is to worship God and to serve the community around us. And we believe that that is God-given. But we don't just want to serve the community, we want to draw them in so that God can build his kingdom in this place. On the wall over there we see not hundreds, but certainly a goodly number of children who arrive here during term time every Thursday morning and bring their parents, their godparents, their grandparents, their carers with them. And during the course of their two and a half hours here, they get taken out to a, a, one of the smaller rooms where they have a session called See and Know. If you have never seen it happen, I fully recommend that you come along one Thursday morning if you can and go in and just sit in on it and listen to it. It's amazing. In a very simple way, they are brought into the presence of God and told a very simple Bible story. And they sing a very simple song. And we praise God for those who are given the responsibility of bringing it to them because they love doing it as well. I've told you the story before about uh, a little girl who came in one Christmas, just after Christmas one day, and I was in the office and uh, she brought her granddad with her. And it was one of the little girls who goes to Sunshine Corner on a Thursday. And Grandad came in and said, I hope you don't mind, but my little granddaughter wanted me to see the place where she comes on a Thursday. And the first place she took him was to see the room that she goes into to do see and know. And she said to Grandad, Grandad, this is where we meet with God. And it was just amazing. And there are so many of the parents who say their children's favourite bit of the day is the see and no bit. I can remember when I was a lot younger, we, we used to run youth groups. And if they got too big, the thing we did was introduce a God slot. Because we knew that if we introduced a God slot, a lot of the youngsters had stopped coming. We had a fear when we started Mums and Tots that that would be the same thing. But we were determined, as we are a Christian church, to have a God slot within that. And that we have only ever, in the... I don't know, six, seven years of it? Seven years that we've been running it. We've only had one person who has objected to that slot being there. The rest of them love it. So God's been good. A lot of prayer went into how that came about and we listened to God and God brought it about and God honoured it and God honoured the commitment of those who've been doing it. So God is good. I can tell you lots more stories about things which God has done in this building and brought about in this building. Well, that's not why we're here today. What I would like to ask you to do as we approach a new year is to pray for John, for Nick and myself as we seek God's leading for NCF for 2018. God has given us the privilege of being, I hesitate to use the word leaders, we're shepherds of this flock here. And we take that privilege very seriously. And we want to be in that place where God wants us to be as we lead you forward. So please pray for us. But also, or should I say continue to pray, because I know a lot of you do already, please also pray for God to bring you personally revelation of his plans and purposes. Sometimes, and I'm guilty myself of doing this as well, sometimes we read the notes from church council meetings and just flash over them and then put them to one side and perhaps we forget some of the content of them. I know I've done it in the past. 
But if you have, uh, haven't got them, and I'm sure we can reprint them if you want them, but if you've still got them, please read them through again. They are important. They are about the life of this church. And it will be lovely in February when we meet again for me to say three words and for you to say all the rest, telling us what you believe God has revealed to you for the future of the church. That would be brilliant. So can I please ask you to seriously get down to prayer with God about that? Because it's not about the three of us. It's about the body of Christ, which is NCF. And that includes every single one of you. Because you're not here by chance. You're here because God brought you here. You may look around and wonder, what have I got in common with this lot? What you've got in common is the love and fellowship of Jesus Christ. And that is more than enough. That is why God has brought you here. And he knows the gifts and talents that each one of you have got. And he knows that we can mesh that together if we allow him to. And if we're bold enough to accept the gifting which he's given us and to move into it. And through that, we can do amazing things for God in this place. You may remember the Orkney story where they wanted revival. And two little old ladies sat down in a cottage for years praying to ladies. And God listened to them and he brought a man to that place. And there was an amazing revival took place there. God says, where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst. And it's so true. We don't need to be two or three hundred strong. It would be great, brilliant, if we ever reach that number. But as I spoke a couple of three weeks ago, that's not what God's about. God's not about numbers. He's about people. And if we're the size that God wants us to be, that's the size that God will have us be. But as I also said, I'm sure that's not really what God wants. God wants to bring this place to life with new life, as well as those who are already here. So let's start 2018 with a really positive attitude that God is going to work in this place and not as only going to work through John and I and Nick as the leaders, but also through you as the body of Christ here in this place. Because we're all priests together and we all have responsibilities. And it's up to us to take those responsibilities seriously. Because if we don't, there are folks out there who will be going to hell rather than coming into the kingdom of God. It's not our responsibility, but it is our responsibility to make them aware of the fact that there is good news out there. and They can come into the kingdom of God and they can receive eternal life, but there are consequences if they don't. We're very good at doing the first bit. don't know about you, but I'm not very good at doing the last bit because we sometimes worry about offending people and whatever. But if we're doing it in God's strength, then he will give us the right words and he will equip us with the right words so that it doesn't offend, but it speaks to their hearts and stirs them. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I believe for NCF those days are now. And God wants to pour out his spirit into this church. But it's up to us. We can sit placidly and let it all wash over us and say, that's great, God, but not for me. Or we can be bold and we can be adventurous. And we can say, yes, God, we want to grab hold of that. We want to be your servants here on this estate. And we want to make this place a place which is known as a place of God, where God is and where his people are working out their lives for him. Amen.